welcome. It's another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. Means he looked after people's money, friends. I'm a retired broadcaster, Gord Whitehead. Ron, uh, we've known each other for a long time. We both have families. And one of the things that we both took upon ourselves, obviously you dispensed a lot of financial wisdom because that's what you did for a living. But I tried to drill into our two sons' heads. Nobody's responsible for your finances but you. you, you you've got to take care of you. And you have to be financially literate. And that's what we try to put forth on this show. And especially pertaining to young people, right? So parents that are listening today, we have some advice for them. Yeah, we're really have uh, encapsulated this into 10 different ways to help kids become financially responsible is the name of the show. And, uh, you know, uh, we've done shows like this in the past. And so a few of the ideas are repeats, but most of the ideas are or something a little bit different that you can try with your kids so that you can help them to become financially literate. You know, as we talked about, you know, there's just no literacy. Uh, kids graduate from uh, junior high school, high school, and even advanced, get advanced education, and they're, they're completely clueless on, on their day-to-day living financial items that uh, they need to master if they're going to make their way in this world. So number one is just literally open a savings account with them. Take them down to the bank and open a savings account. It's amazing to me how many parents, they they give their kids an allowance each week and they hand the money over with no strings attached. They don't have to save anything. These kids don't have to work. They don't have to do anything. They can just take this money and go and blow it. So if you're going to save, You've got to have a place to put it unless you want to store it in a piggy bank. And it's just a matter of walking down to the bank with them and opening a savings account. That is a great place to start. I remember delivering prescriptions for a pharmacy on my bicycle when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And I got paid, and I I went to the bank and opened a savings account. So I've had a savings account, I think, since I was 12, right? And that's sort of like rule number one. Rule number one. Okay. Now, yeah, it's the most basic. So, and then, then you should try to convince them that to take a percentage of the money that they have, whether it's their allowance or if they have a, a part time job, take a percentage of that and put that money into that savings account, correct? Yeah. And I know part of uh, uh, woke parenting these days, and I, and I don't want to be too politically incorrect, Gord, is to hold hands with your kids stand around a campfire and sing kumbaya to them. And, uh, but, you know, there's certain things that I think a parent needs to do. I mean, I don't think that this is something you want to negotiate with them. I mean, you want to explain it to them, and you want to try and get them on side with it. I mean, I totally agree with that. But there's just some things in a parent-kid relationship that are non-negotiable. And I personally think that taking making a requirement that whatever money the kids earn, whether it's through babysitting or walk shoveling or, or allowance or whatever, a certain component of that has to go into uh, a savings account. And I think an ideal number is 10% because for most kids, if they get in the habit of saving 10%, and they can do that consistently through their life, uh, they'll arrive at a retirement with uh, enough resources to have a very, very comfortable lifestyle. So any money they earn, you want to sit down with them and say that, look, here's what happens in our family. Uh, the top 10% are, 
always goes into a savings account. And, you know, you might get some resistance, first of all, but after a while, you don't even notice that 10% is going in there. And, and frankly, uh, it builds up quite a cash work. And it's not just from the allowance you give them or the work that they do, but any cash gifts that come in. There's always cash gifts coming from parents uh, and grandparents who don't know exactly what to buy kids at Christmas or birthdays, and there's cash. Well, there again, take 10% of the value and put it in their savings or investment accounts, and frankly, it'll do a lot more for them than the toy they buy that'll be discarded in the corner three weeks after Christmas. Okay, so now once you've got this savings account and you've uh, you've accrued a little bit of cash in there, what do you, what do you do then? Well, I think that uh, this is the first time in years we've actually seen uh, savings accounts actually uh, with interest rates high enough to make it meaningful to buy uh, guaranteed investment certificates. I mean, and that might be a good start once you get enough money, buy them a guaranteed investment certificate, and. Frankly, if you buy one for three or four years, uh, the nice thing about that is they can't get their hands on it to sell it. It just keeps compounding and growing for them. But, you know, I think earlier in life, you want to get them to the point where they understand about investing in the economy. So go down with them and uh, open a joint account at a discount broker. Buy them some shares at blue-chip dividend-paying companies and put those... uh, uh, shares on dividend reinvestment plan and get them to sit down and help select make the choices, you know. So, you know, we just talked about we just talked about dividends. Like, let's say they have a cell phone. You tell them, okay, well, you're a customer of Telus or you're a customer of Bell. There's a good one for you to buy, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and so you know, you put these companies on. You know, if you got a seven point eight percent dividend or a seven percent dividend, like some of these companies are paying right now. And you put that on dividend reinvestment plan. I mean, you're getting seven to eight percent more shares every year, and that compounds, which compounds, which compounds. And so, you know, it gives kids a chance to really see some uh, some growth. You know, and often there are areas that they're particularly interested in. So, you know, sit down with them and see if you can find stocks to invest in that pique their interest. You know, like you were saying, cell phones. Well, certainly you could invest in Telus, or you could invest in BCE. Or, you know, just take a look at the name of your your cell phone. If it happens to be Apple, well, there's a company to invest in. You know, if if you go in the, the kid's room and he's got posters of Ferraris all over his wall, well, Ferrari's a publicly traded company that's done very, very well. If they're interested in their environmental, they're interested in renewables, Brookfield Renewables is a, pays a very, very nice dividend and has seen solid growth over the years. So there's lots of things that you can invest in that, frankly, are things that pique their interest as well. And that uh, will help keep them interested in the, in the markets as time goes along because they bought something that they can actually relate to. Now, here's a lesson that uh, I think we've all learned about investing, and I recall this with our youngest son about three years ago. Dad, I got this really hot tip on this. I said, are you sure? <laughs> did, did you do your homework? Yeah, I think it's a surefire thing. So he bought a few shares and he got scalped. Right. And, and I, I said to him, I've been down that road. <laughs> I know how that works. Taking a loss every once in a while is a good lesson, isn't it? You know, you want to give your kids the opportunity to buy something highly speculative, especially at a younger age. You know, if they're 12 or 14 years old and uh, they've got some hot technology uh, 
stock that to, uh, maybe is making its way around or a new video game or something. The next big and, thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the next big thing. So you get them to buy the next big thing, and they get scalped. So they lose a little bit of money, you know. So if they lose a couple hundred bucks as a kid, that is going to be the cheapest lesson they ever learn. Because once you get a little older, you're not talking about putting a couple hundred bucks into something like this. You're putting thousands or tens of thousands or maybe even hundreds of thousands into it. So a little bit lost today will teach them about risk, though they won't blow themselves up with a bigger pile of money later on. Invaluable. So now let's say they want to make a big, maybe they want to buy their first car uh, or truck or whatever the case may be. And they've saved some money. But they're a little bit short of the mark. That's that's a sit down and have a chat conversation before the bank of mom and dad comes up with the rest, right? Yeah. So you know, as they're growing up, you talk to them. Maybe it's uh, they want to be in a, go to Europe for the summer and they need to raise so much money. Well, you sit down with them before this starts, and you negotiate what percentage they'll have to save before you chip in the balance. Not well. You know, I'm leaving next week. And uh, my trip to Europe is going to cost me $2,500, and I've saved $300. Can you come up with a difference for me? No, 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 no. You sit down with them regularly, and you ask them, you know, what are you, what are you saving for? What's the next big thing that you'd like to put away money for? And, of course, the, you don't have to bring it up. Let me tell you, I've had four kids. They'll automatically bring it up. How much will you? How much will the bank or mom and dad be willing to uh, chip in on this? And so then you have a negotiation. You go back and forth a little bit, and you finally come up with a percentage that you're willing to put up. But the iron rule is, they have to come up with their portion before you come up with your portion. Otherwise, it's always going to be the same board. Two weeks before they're going to buy. You're, they're they're going to come up to you and say, well, you know, uh, I've negotiated to pick up a, a truck on this state or I'm traveling to Europe on this state and I don't have the money to go ahead with it. And then, of course, they uh, give you the big uh, violin concerto <laughs> about, how, about how hard it's been for them. Well, no, no, no. They've got to come up with their portion first. And you make it very clear that if they don't come up with their portion your portion is non-existent. And it'll force them to do what's called deferred gratification. And it's amazing. They did a study with kids in, in kindergarten. And they asked the kid, uh, look, if uh, you can have this lollipop right now, and that's the end of it. But if you defer it for 10 minutes, we'll give you two lollipops. And I think this study had 30 or 40,000 kids that they followed up on all the way through uh, grad school and on to later on in life. And they found the kids that had no sense of deferred gratification. In other words, they wanted the lollipop right now and they couldn't wait. Those were the kids that had the hardest time later on uh, developing good financial skills. The kids that learned deferred gratification, you know, I'm going to have to save for a while, but I'm going to get this big thing in the end that, you know, I got two lollipops instead of one, they did much better later on in life. Okay, and now here's the one I'm looking forward to hearing. Uh, get them to read books about investing, and this is where Ron Hebert puts in a subtext, bribe them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes bribery works well. You know, like, <laughs> I'll, help, I'll help finance this, but 
here's the deal. There's a book called The Millionaire Next Door, which is easy to read, or Investing for Kids, or every Everything Kids Money Book, or a, and you get them to read it, and then they have to do a book report for you. And if they do that, you provide them with something really nice, you know? Uh, so they have to tell you what's in the book. They have to actually read it, right? Yeah, they actually have to read it and report back to you of what's in there. And if they read it and can tell you what's in it, you'll do something important for you. I'm, I mean... Uh, you know, with my kids, uh, I tried to be very disciplined with them when it came when it came down to money. But I also wasn't afraid to bribe them. Okay, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> now, if I could get them to put some uh, stuff, some financial sense into their heads, and it cost me a few bucks to do that, that's the cheapest money I've ever spent. That's money well spent. Yeah. Okay. Now, you you mentioned that you went into the school and and talked to the teacher and get them to. Get somebody to go in, talk to the teacher and say, you know, maybe you don't teach this as part of your curriculum, but if I could have a half an hour some Friday to come in and talk about finance, right? Yeah, I talked about saving money. I talked about investing. I talked about financial planning. And we also uh, got the, the math class in, I think it was grade six, uh, to do a small business project. And we got them to make popcorn for, you know, I think Friday afternoons. Uh, every couple of weeks, they'd have a school movie or a sporting event, and the kids uh, would make the popcorn and sell it at these events. Now, to go along with it, the kids had to make a budget. They had to record their costs, what it cost for the popcorn, what it cost for the bags, how much revenue it got, and then they did a profit and loss statement. They actually figured out, uh, based on subtracting their costs from their sales, what their profit margins were. And this is a great project for a math class. And... And frankly, it's a template, you know, if you can figure out what it costs you to sell popcorn and what your profit margins are, uh, that might seem like a very, very simple business. But if you understand that basic concept, uh, whether it's Google or Microsoft or Tesla or whatever trillion-dollar company you want to talk about, those business concepts don't say, don't change. You've got to sell a product for more than you make it for, and that's what your profit margins are. So there you are, some very basic but really important points to teach your youngsters about finance. As we say, it, uh, you know, this argument goes on about what kids are learning in school. It's still the parents' job to teach them certain things, and that's the, you know, that doesn't change. Um, and if you feel that the, the subject's not being covered sufficiently, in school, then mom and dad, you know, it's time for a little lesson at the dinner table talking about finance. And there are some points to help you get started. It's, it's really actually quite simple, isn't it, Ron? It, it's, it's, it's simple, but it, it requires a bit of consistency, and you have to do it with regularity. You can't open a savings account and not do anything about it. You can't uh, have money coming in, and, and one time the kids save a little bit, and then the next time you forget about it. Uh, you know, you have to sit down with them if they're going to make purchases and, and tell them what your part of the deal is going to be. And so, you know, if you do these things, they're not very, very hard. If you do these things on a consistent basis, it, it's amazing how far ahead your kids will be when they go out in the working world on their own. All right, next time around, let's see if I can dust off a little bit of my French from my background. Uh, oh, mon ami, uh, l'episode... Uh... No, I can't. <laughs> I grew up in a French neighborhood. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I, it's still back there somewhere. We're going to talk about French luxury goods 
Not something that would probably pop up in most conversations. Why is that? Well, one of the little dirty little secrets is that uh, French luxury goods over uh, a 30-year or 40-year period have outperformed tech stocks. And uh, most people, their jaws will drop when they hear that. And we'll just talk about this as a sector. What we try to do, because uh, typically, you know, you always hear about the, uh, the big sectors. You hear about the banks. You hear about, uh, right now, all you hear about is tech stocks. But there's other ways that are not really on the radar screen that have done, or other sectors that have done really well. And so what we try to do every few shows is include one of those sectors and do a complete analysis of it. Talk about, you know, how big it is. We talk about the pros. We talk about the cons. We talk about the major players in the sector uh, and things that you should look for if you want to invest in that space. So next week, we're going to be talking about uh, French luxury stocks. Ah. You'll find it fascinating. Ah, très bien. All right. We'll join you again next week with another edition of Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Au revoir. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.